what we're going to get into today. God does something great here in Joshua 3. And God does great things in our lives, and in, including, of course, salvation. And it's something we, we, we just step back and say, wow, that God would do that. I can't boast in anything that I've accomplished because really it's God that has done it in and through me. So Joshua chapter 3 tonight. Joshua is a, it's, it's a very exciting book, isn't it? Uh, it's full of action, drama, victory, defeat, and even victory after defeat. From the walls of Jericho falling to the sun standing still, there's just so many awesome things that take place in this book. And it's exciting to see God deliver his people finally into the promised land. And so let's read Joshua chapter 3 together. We'll pray and then we'll jump into the message. And Joshua rose early in the morning. And they were moved from Shittim and came to Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people, saying, When ye, shall, when ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which, which ye must go. For you have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the, the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye shall come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither, and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive you, uh, drive from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perishites and the Girgashites and the Amorites, uh, the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over you before Jordan. There, now therefore, take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every man a tribe. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan. That the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters, that they come down, uh, that they come down from above, that they shall stand up upon a heap. And it came to pass... When the people were moved from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they that bear the Ark were come into Jordan, the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped into the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks at that time of harvest. That the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very far from the city of Adam that is beside Zaratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word today, we're, I'm just reminded of the times in my life where you've done great things. Lord, I'm reminded as we read, the Lord, Lord, so many instances in your word where you delivered, where you rescued, where you healed, you provided, you protected. And Lord, we're asking you, Lord, in our families, uh, Lord, this year, tonight, I pray you do great things again. Lord, I pray you use the thoughts, uh, Lord, from your word. I pray you take your word 
and uh, apply, help us to apply it to our lives tonight. We'd be challenged, convicted, encouraged. Lord, whatever your people here need today, I pray that they'd receive it and they'd be obedient to your word. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. So as we said, the, the, the book of Joshua is an exciting book. And this is, uh, the, 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 the title of my message tonight is this, this is where the fun begins. And this truly is where the fun of the book of Joshua, the excitement of the book of Joshua, really kicks into high gear. You saw what we, what we just read there. They came to the, to, to the Jordan, and the Jordan stood up on a heap, similar to what God did about 40 years ago at the Red Sea, and they crossed over on dry ground. If you know the rest of the narrative, soon they're going to march around the walls of Jericho, and that's going to fall down. And uh, as we said before, eventually Joshua is going to say, sun, stand still, and it's going to stand still, and God is just going to do a great thing in and through the people of Israel. Uh, by way of review, last uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, chapter 1, there was a, a rallying message. The children of Israel likely were discouraged. Think about where they were. If, if, if you look back at chapter 1, and the very fir- some of the very first words were, Moses, my servant, is dead. The man that had 40 years ago delivered them out of Egypt, humanly speaking, the one that no doubt everyone thought for sure, he's not only going to lead us out of Egypt, but he's going to lead us into the promised land, but we know that God had other plans. He was forbidden to lead the children of Israel into Canaan. And now Joshua, who was a proven leader, but to take that place. Man, think of the heavy burden that would have been. I'm replacing Moses, uh, the one who wrote the law. God God spoke to him and gave him the law. But over and over, God encourages him and just tells him this, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. There shall not be any man, in verse 5 he says, that shall be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. God rallied Joshua, and Joshua rallied the people, and they were ready to go. As we lead our families, as we lead in the church, and there's going to be times we find ourselves discouraged. There's going to be times we find our family discouraged, and what we need is to receive a rallying cry, a rallying message from God's word, and then rally our family to just keep marching forward in faith. Chapter 2, we saw a reconnaissance mission. We, uh, I love what we saw last week in chapter 2. Uh, Forty years before, Moses had sent those 12 spies uh, into the land to spy it out. And the, uh, the 10 came back and said, they're so big, they're giants. We're like grasshoppers to them that there's no way that we can win. And we know Joshua and Caleb said, sure, they're big, but our God is bigger. And he promised to deliver them into, into our hands. But what we saw in chapter 2 is awesome and a great reminder to us to not fear when God has given us something to do. Uh, because as those two men spoke with Rahab, uh, listen to verse 9, he says, And she said unto them, unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you into the land, and that the terror is, your terror is fallen upon us. And all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. And he talks about the, the, the two kings of the Amorites. You utterly destroyed them. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt because uh, ne- neither did there remain any courage in any man. Here's what she said, because of you, because of your people. And really she said, and for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven. And, and so as we read that, remember back in the book of move forward a little bit, but the book of 1 Samuel, uh, Samuel says, surely this is the Lord's anointed. What does God say? Man looks on the outward appearance, 
God looks on the heart. And so at 40 years ago when they spied out the land, uh, the faithless men said they're too big. They saw the outward appearance and said we can't defeat them. But God knew the hearts of them. God knew that their hearts had melted, but they had no idea. They didn't see it, and because they lacked trust in God, they instead feared. Uh, Where they said they're too big, we can't win, God says, I see their hearts. You can't lose if you'll just follow me. Never fear what God has led you to do, no matter how daunting and how difficult that it looks. And so now we come to chapter 3 where we find a remarkable miracle. We find them taking their first steps toward the conquest of Canaan. And as we work through the chapter tonight, what I want you to see is really three phases. Three stages that we'll often find ourselves in life as we seek to move forward in faith. And that's much of what the book of Joshua is about. Uh, The book of Joshua is about claiming what God had promised many, many years ago to, back to their father, Abraham. Claiming courageously uh, what God has told us we could have. And and so as we ourselves lead a life marked by faith, following God, fearless wherever he leads. And here's the truth. Wherever God leads, victory is inevitable. If God leads you somewhere and you simply follow in faith, you will be victorious. Back in Joshua 1, he says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, for thou shalt meditate, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. And thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have you ever been to a theme park and you're, there's the, a, a, a wait for the attraction, whatever the wait is? Um, none of us really like waiting, but you see what it is, and you know, I, I really want to ride this ride, I want to see this attraction, whatever the case may be, and you wind through that maze of ropes and poles and chains, and if you're at a place like Six Flags, there's just ropes and chains, and it's quiet and dirty and it's boring, but if you're at a place like Disney or Universal, there's at least some theming there, there's some music, there's some, something to keep you occupied, but regardless of what's there to occupy you, none of us like waiting, and, and you get there, and you wait, And who's been on one of those where you stood in line for 60 minutes, you get to the end, and then what do they say to you? Wait right here. That's what I've been doing for 60 minutes. I just want to get on the ride that's going to be done in 60 seconds uh, that I waited 60 minutes for. uh, But none of us like waiting. And there's times in our life, and that's kind of what happened with the children of Israel. For 40 years, they zigzagged through the wilderness. It was boring. It was dull. It was discouraging. They were essentially waiting for all the faithless generation to die off so that they could enter the promised land. And then look what it says in verse verse number two. So they they left and they came to Jordan and lodged there before they passed over. So uh, think about where they are. The spies had come back. And they said, man, God's going to deliver us. God is with us. Rahab told us this. They've been scared of us. They've basically been crossing their fingers, praying to their gods that we would not come mess with them. For 40 years, they've been afraid. Now's the time for us to go. And the people, no doubt, are excited. Joshua's rallied them. And they they, they come to the Jordan River. And notice what it says in verse 2. And it came to pass after three days. Now, three days isn't a long time compared to 40 years. But when you're pumped up, amped up about something... Then they come, and it just says that they, they waited again for three days. They sat there waiting for instructions. No one enjoys waiting. What, what do we say when we're excited about something? We say, I can't wait. 
Say, I, I'm physically, I'm, 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 un, I'm unable to wait for this thing. The truth is our lives are full of waiting. Uh, we wait for the coffee to get done in the morning, right? We, we wait for the light to turn green. Again, we wait to be seated at the restaurant. We wait to be served at the restaurant. We wait for our wives to get ready so we can leave. We wait for our wives to punch us after we make a joke like that. Uh, we wait for the preacher to make his point and wrap it up for the night. Uh, our life is full of waiting. And I see my wife, I already told her I was going to make that joke and she's still not happy. Uh, <laughs> which actually, did, uh, no, I won't get into that. I'll, I'll leave that alone. <laughs> But there's seasons in our, though we don't like waiting, there's seasons in our life that are marked by waiting. We have an idea of what lay ahead, but we find ourselves not there yet, laying claim to the promised land. We're here on the other side of Jordan, waiting. Notice a few things that's involved in waiting that I I see from this passage. Look in verse 2, we just read it, but it came to pass for three days. It says the officers went through the host. So, so after three days, they came and gave some instructions, but before then, there was just some silent patience. I think that's the thing we like least about waiting, isn't it? Nobody likes having patience. Uh, if, if I said, who here is a patient person? Whoever raised their hand would be a liar. Uh, n- none of us are, are patient. We're impatient people, especially in, today, in the day of I order something on Amazon, and if it's not at my house in two days, I'm actually excited because I can call them and get a $10 credit and maybe it'll be the next day. Uh, but, but we've got to the point where there's some, some things, uh, I, I don't know if you've ordered something on Amazon where it got, it got to you within a couple hours. And, that's just, and, and, and now we're almost to the point where if it can't get to me in a couple of hours, I probably don't even need it. Um, it's it's not, not that important. Uh, but sometimes in our lives, there's radio silence and we just wonder what's next. In those times in your life, Here's what I encourage, I, I'd encourage you to, the, the attitude I'd encourage you to have. God led me to this place. I just need to be still until he gives me my next steps. And the truth is he will. Uh, that, that's where we take to heart Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And what's he going to do? He shall direct thy paths. God's not going to be silent forever. God's not going to keep his path, his will, uh, the, the next steps from you, but there are times he just says, just wait here a while. This aspect of waiting is the most difficult. We don't know why we're waiting, yet we are. Verses 3 and 4, I, I, I see this. There's simple preparation, simple preparation. And so they go through the people after three days and, and basically give them this instructions. They, they, they say, when you see it, the ark is going to pass by. When you see it, follow it, but don't follow too close. That basically sums up verses 3 and 4. It's it's essentially what they say. But in the waiting seasons of life, here's the truth. God often uses those waiting seasons to prepare us, to give us instruction, to tell, here's what I want you to do next. Back to the theme parks, perhaps you've gone and that that, that time where you, you walk through all the lines and then they say, okay, wait here, wait on this letter, wait on this dot. And then what often happens, there'll be a video that plays and It'll be instructions on when you go into the next thing, here's what you do, here's where you put your hat, here's where, where you put your glasses, uh, here's where you put your bags, here's how you buckle, here's how you stay safe. Uh, it's important to listen to those. I've, um, I've lost, I think, three or four hats on rides where I forgot to take them off, and as it went down the hill, there it went. One time someone behind me caught it, and I got to keep it. Uh, but but they, they tell you some vital things to keep the ride moving so that when your wait is over, 
you know what to do next. And so there's going to be times where we're waiting and, and God just gives us instruction. Are you letting God prepare you now for the next step of faith that he has for you? And then in verse 5, notice what it says, Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Now we're getting closer, but here's a very important step as well. I see a spiritual purification. There's silent patience. There's uh, simple preparation, but then uh, very important as well, uh, spiritual purification. Although their course ahead was very physical, in reality, what lie ahead was a spiritual battle. And they needed to be prepared for it on the inside as much as they need to be prepared for it on the outside. He said to sanctify yourself. That means to set yourself apart to God. Joshua comes through and gives them the simple instruction, says, tomorrow God is going to do wonders among you, so purify yourself. Am I off? Am I good? There we go. We're back. Perhaps your waiting period has grown longer than it should or seems to have grown longer than it should because you've just simply grown restless, impatient, trying to run ahead of God in directions that he didn't intend for you to run. I think of uh, Isaiah 40, verse 31, that but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Perhaps you've simply not prepared yourself for the next steps that God has for you. Psalm 37, verse 23 says this, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Or perhaps your focus has gotten off the things of God and onto the things of this life. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here's the last thought with, with, with this about waiting. Don't be discouraged by the waiting seasons, but be encouraged by the wonders that God is using those waiting seasons to prepare you for. I'll say that again. Don't be discouraged by the waiting seasons, but be encouraged by the wonders that God is using those waiting seasons to prepare you for. So number one, waiting. I notice next, in the next phase in leading up to this wonder that God is going to do as they cross the Jordan it's just simply this, walking. That's what they do next. Uh, the time had come for them to move. Just, just picture what, what it would have looked like. This, th th this wasn't just some group of people that were crossing a river. This wasn't just a, uh, I mean, th th this was literally millions of people that were picking up camp, and they were about to cross a river together. It must have been exciting to see that. It must have been exciting to be a part of that. Not knowing what was going to happen. Being, having a little bit of an idea, but not knowing how God was going to do it, when God was going to do it. Uh, but a couple things that notice about them walking is they just simply walked obediently. It's as simple as that. Uh, verses 3 and 4, he speaks to them that, uh, that the priests are going to go ahead with the Ark of the Covenant. When you see them, follow them, but stay back about uh, 2,000 2, cubits, which is a, a little less than half a mile. Uh, so they could see which way to go. He says, you haven't been this way before. Uh, in verses 6 through 8, he tells them, <coughs> excuse me, 
to take up the Ark of the Covenant and uh, to, to the priest to pass over the people. And uh, they took the Ark, and, and, and God said he's going to do something great. He's going to magnify Joshua. And he tells them when they get to the brink of the water to stand still in the water. They're supposed to actually step into the water. Uh, a little bit different than what we saw at the, the Red Sea. Uh, but they were just simply to take hold of God's word and just simply do it. Sometimes we overcomplicate things, don't we? Uh, we, we, we try to take God's word and make it some big mystery that if I, it's some formula that if I can figure it out, the, the, the secrets of God's word. No, a lot of the things that we get caught up with are just simple, plain truths in black and white on the pages of God's word. Uh, the other day, um, one of my kids, we were, uh, I was, I had told them to do something and she began, he or she, um, began, <laughs> eliminates one of them, I guess, uh, <laughs> Uh, this child of mine uh, began, I, I, I have this trouble in, in, our, in our couples classes, but we're talking about parenting, and I try not to name our kids and some of the things we talk about, but sometimes I end up dropping a name of, 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 of who it is um, in some of these things. But, she, but, but I, I guess we know it's a she. So she, she was talking to me, and, and I told her to do something, and she was talking back a little bit, as I'm sure your children don't do. This is just my children that talk back. And, uh, but, but she was talking back and tr- trying to talk over me, and, and, and I, I remember saying this. I don't know where it came from, but I just told her, and, and maybe this is a bad thing to say and it doesn't even work in this, but um, I, I told her, I'm not saying anything else until you just obey what I already told you. And the truth is, t- sometimes we're, we're looking for more from God's word, and God is just saying, hey, I'm not saying anything else to you. Just do what I told you. Just do what I've already told you. You don't need any other instruction. No need to argue. No need to question. No need to complicate it. Simply walk in obedience. But I also notice this, that, that they walked expectantly. They were expecting God to do something. Walking in obedience is to approach God with open hands, knowing that something good is coming. Uh, yesterday we were at, uh, the, our, our kids play uh, basketball with the, their school and um, with, with some other Christian schools. And um, Daxton had a, um, this, this is a good illustration, so I'll use the names. Um, Daxton had a, a pack of um, Sour Patch Kids. And he was starting to eat those. And this little boy, just uh, probably three, maybe four years old, uh, kind of looked like Daxton, real blonde hair. And, but he started to kind of crawl up the bleachers. And he walked up to Daxton and just literally just put his hand out. <laughs> he was confident that he was walking away with a Sour Patch Kid. And Kayla was trying to tell him, no, don't give the guy, we don't know her, her, his parents, he could be allergic, he could keel over and die here because he can't have sugar, he's diabetic or something. But Daxon just takes it, hands it to him, and uh, he was fine. But, but anyway, it was just, the, 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 the thought was, he, I, was, I was just thinking about it the, the, this morning, he walked up to Daxon who had something that he wanted, and he just expectantly said, can I have one of those? And he got it. That's the way we obey God. We, we come to him with hands open. He's told us already what he's going to give us, and now we just, in faith, obediently obey. And we said, it's as if Joshua's encouraging them, says, if we simply obey God, God's going to do for us exactly what he did 40 years ago. I saw it for myself. Many of you were there as children, and we think about it. We, we, we think that, that generation died off, but there would have been some of those people there as, as children, 20 and under, who would have seen what God did. Many of them, no doubt, would have remembered. And in verse 10, Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you and all the people of the land of Canaan. I can only imagine the excitement in Joshua's voice as he 
describes to them what took place 40 years ago. Have you ever been somewhere um, on vacation or uh, somewhere that you've never been before or somewhere you go often and someone who's never been there before, you try to explain it to them? You try to paint the picture. You try to tell them what to expect and how awesome it's going to be. I, I can imagine Joshua in that same way, saying, hey, I was there 40 years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. We stood there. God parted the waters. We walked across. I don't know exactly how God's going to do it today, but I know he's going to do something. I'm expecting him to. I love Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Psalm 9 verse 10 says this, They that know thy name shall put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Romans 4, speaking of Abraham, he says, He staggered not the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Aren't you thankful that everything God has promised, he's able to do it? Have you ever promised your kids something and then realized, I can't fulfill the promise? You wanted to, but you shot a little too high, I guess. You made the expectations a little too, 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 uh, too high. Maybe you promised them that trip, uh, and then money failed, and you said, can't go on the trip, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thankful that there's never a time where God has promised us something. He says, I'm sorry, the bank account's dry. I'm sorry I'm too weak now to be able to perform what I told you I would do. But as we march forward together as a church, as families, as followers of Jesus, may we walk obedient to his word and expectant of his wonders. And so we see them waiting. Then we see them walking. And last tonight, we see them simply watching. They didn't part the waters, but they saw it happen. It was not something that they were able to make happen, but they saw it with their own eyes. And so in verses 14 through 17, we see uh, the Jordan River uh, uh, part, and they're able to walk across. The name Jordan in Hebrew means to flow down or to descend. The Jordan River connects, it's a, a river that goes down from the Sea of Galilee down to the, uh, to, to the Dead Sea. And in parts would flow very violently to where it would be very difficult for anyone to cross on their own, let alone a whole country. On top of that, as we see in verse 15, the, uh, the, the time of the crossing was, it, it, the, the, the river was overflowing. So not only was it wider than normal, but it was deeper than normal. So anything that could go wrong did go wrong when it comes to crossing this. But aren't you thankful none of those things are uh, d difficult for God? What appears to be a hindrance is an opportunity for God to do wonders among them. What appears to be a hindrance in your life is an opportunity for God to do wonders among you. And as we read this, it, it, to us, as, as you look at it, it would make sense for God to do the exact same thing and say, hey, Joshua, lift up your rod and I'm going to part the waters. But it was a little bit different this time. It took a little more faith this time. He told the priests, he said, take that ark and step into the water. And as you step in the water, he even told them, stand still. He says, hey, I want you to wait a moment. And as it says, as they stepped into the water, the water up here at the north began to pile up on a heap. I, I can only just imagine what it looked like. And it, it, sounds like it, it, it sounds like it looked a little bit different than the Red Sea. And the water down to the Dead Sea was cut off. And 
after some time, we don't know exactly how long it took, but whatever the time it was, whether it, took, whether it was instant or it, it, it took hours, it's still a miracle. It's still amazing what, what God did. But it says as soon as they stepped in, it began, and they were able to walk across. And regardless of what God calls us to do in faith, when we simply obey, it's then that we simply watch and wonder what God does with simple faith. Imagine being there and seeing that tower of water over here, dry ground over on the other side, and the priests stopped there in the middle, and they all crossed over together on dry ground. God has a great plan for you as you follow him in faith. There's going to be times you have seasons of waiting, times of patience, preparation, purification. There's going to be periods of walking where we actively follow, obedient to his word and expectant of his wonders. As we do, we can't take credit for his wonders. We can't take credit for his miracles. We can't take credit for the obstacles overcome, for the deliverance, for the victory. All we can do is watch and say, wow, what a God. I'm thankful for the miracles and wonders that God has done for previous generations. But here's the the reality. I want to see God do over and over that same thing in my life today. I think one of the troubles that the children of Israel had in their history was there were too many generations between these stories. We're going to see next, uh, next week in chapter 4 where they set up this memorial so that the people would say, hey, what mean these stones? They could tell the children. And that's great. But the problem was it became, this happened in my gen- I saw it happen. It became, Grandpa told us, great-grandpa told us something about something that happened here I don't quite remember and it's no wonder they slid into idolatry and God had to rescue them again and then generations passed between those stories and they went in and out of idolatry but in this moment we have a group of people most of whom have heard the story now got to witness for themselves a miracle God fulfills the promise that he made to Abraham generations ago the truth is this as I wrap it up tonight we have a greater Joshua that's come the Hebrew name for Joshua I'm sure you know maybe you don't know the Hebrew name for Joshua is Yeshua it's the exact same name for Jesus their names meant the exact same thing Yahweh saves and I won't get into all the comparisons but if you look at the comparisons between Joshua and Jesus it's, it'll, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty mind blowing it's pretty awesome and exciting Joshua led the children of Israel to victory. So too the greater Joshua, Jesus our Savior, will lead us into a life of victory. And I promise you this, that there are days of great victory ahead if you'll simply wait when and where God says to wait and walk when and where God says to walk. Time and time again, we can have moments where, God, where we watch God deliver. We watch God rescue. We watch God heal and protect and provide and restore and so much more. And all we can do is say, wow. What a God. So tonight I encourage you, as the similar to what the song says that we recently started singing, the same God, but I know Joshua's not mentioned, but in light of this message, I, I, I encourage you tonight, call upon the God of Joshua and say, God, in my waiting on you, in my walking with you, would you do wonders among me so that I and those around me may know the living God is among me and that you will not fail me nor forsake me. Heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here tonight and you're in that waiting season.
I want to encourage you tonight just to keep walking, to keep watching. He's never, he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. As verse number five, I think it said, he was with Moses. He's going to be with you. And I don't know what you're going through tonight, but I imagine some of us are maybe in that spot where we are waiting. And I just want to tell you, keep on walking. Take another step. Keep on watching. Keep your eyes on Jesus tonight. Maybe as we close tonight in just a minute, you need to find a place at this altar. You need to give it to him. Or maybe in your seat, you need to just give it to the Lord tonight. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Matt's going to sing. If you need a place to pray, find a place at this altar tonight.